Hello and welcome to the podcast. We're here with Creating Confident Communication today and absolutely honored to have the Neuro Clinic and Dr. Oliver here with us. Thank you so much. Dr. Oliver is a chiropractic physician. He has his Bachelor of Science in Exercise Science from BYU. He has his Doctor of Chiropractic from Life Chiropractic College West. And he's a diplomate at the American Chiropractic Neurology Board. And Kenneth Oliver has been practicing at the Neuro Clinic located in Lehigh from February of 2013 to present. And there are so many amazing things about Dr. Oliver. He's studied thousands of hours of continuing education with the Carrick Institute of Graduate Studies and Functional Neurology Seminars. He is a diplomate of the American Chiropractic Neurology Board and a proud father of three and married to his rock and support, Molly Oliver. And in his words, he came home from a two year, two years of service in Chile. And he had a few extraordinary moments of clarity. He knew exactly what he wanted to do with the rest of his life. He wanted to help people thrive in life. And he chose chiropractic care. And then he emphasized in the neurology when he absolutely knew that he could do even more for the community. We are so grateful that you're here with us today. Thank you Thank so you. much. It's, a, it's an honor to be with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. And, and um, I, I look forward to spending some time just talking about really important things, because uh, I think helping people is one of the greatest things that we could do in, in this life experience. So, Right. And so tell us a little bit about this, what you do and how you've been able to help people. I just, yeah. I'm excited to hear more. Yeah, so I, I went to a year of school before I served. A, it was a service mission for my church, and and that's the time that I spent in Chile, which is was they were very formative years for me, just learning how to be with people, to love people, to talk with people, to communicate with people. And the year prior, I studied. Uh, I thought I wanted to go into chemical engineering, and then realized how terrible I was at math, and so that major changed very quickly. Uh-huh. And so when I got back, I, 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 you know, I remember having a conversation with my mother and she said, well, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? And I was like, you know, thinking about it. And she said, why don't you look into chiropractic? And as soon as she said that, there was something that kind of just hit my soul because I, I had had my own personal experiences with chiropractic, just going through, you know, athletics in high school, sports right. injuries, things like that. And I always just loved like the... The, the connection I had with the doctor that worked on me when I was when I was a teenager, um, uh, the time, the approach, the holistic model of thinking of instead of car- compartmentalizing diseases or disorders, like looking at someone as a whole mm-hmm. and, and figuring out like, OK, it's we got to put our detective hat on here and, and go to work. And so I was like, yeah, sounds good. I, so I just started asking around and, and interviewing some some doctors in, in my in my town. And that's where I settled on going to uh, Hayward, California to study at Life West Chiropractic College. And when I was there, just kind of a quick segue into how I got exposure to this whole world of, of neurology. In my first quarter, there was a course I was taking called Spinal Anatomy. And the teacher of that class was a local doctor that worked in Walnut Creek. His name is Stephen Wellens. And so he would take time out of his busy schedule to come down and teach us. Now, the block class was about three hours long, but he would spend about 30 minutes covering what we needed to know for our board exams. And then the rest of the time was going over clinical case studies of movement disorders, uh, Parkinson's disease, you know, a bunch of other things. 
And I just remember him showing us videos of cases he was working on. My jaw just hit the floor. And that's really where I knew that within the world of chiropractic, my specialty in neurology was really what I was, you know, going to be passionate about. And, you know, fast forward till to now, it's uh, going back, like hindsight being 2020, what it is, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. This has been the most ultimate reward in my life, aside from, you know, family relationships and other friend relationships and stuff. I love what I do. So. Well, tell us a little bit about, you know, um, how you've been able to help people. I mean, just some broad ways of, of people that have had a, a difference and a shift in their life. I've, yeah. Yeah. I, I would say most of the patients that are attracted to this type of work and that end up in my office space are people that have kind of gone the route in the gamut of allopathic medicine and Western medicine, and they've gone everywhere. They've, they've been seen everybody. And in, in a lot of these scenarios, they're having a hard time finding solutions. And so what I've loved about this approach and what I tell every, everyone I work with is what we do in this office at the neuro clinic is we're utilizing the neuroscientific principles of neuroplasticity. And if you've heard that term, it's a way that you can functionally rewire the way that the brain is operating, the way that it works and it functions. And so over the years, we've been implementing certain, you know, we have pieces of equipment that can objectively measure certain functionality of, of areas of the brain. And it's with, it's all without pharmaceuticals or surgery. And so those are the patients that are attracted here because they're there may be the folks that are sick of taking the drugs or they 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 want a different option. They want someone to listen to them. I think that's one of the things I enjoy most about this work is being able to sit and as a physician, which is kind of rare to find these days, listen to the patient. They're going to tell you exactly what they need. And then I get the fun job of creating treatment plans and protocols, utilizing different pieces of equipment that we have here to affect positive neuroplastic change in people's lives. And so, I mean, page one of Gray's Anatomy straight up says the nervous system controls the, every function in the human body. And so that's why we can attract, you know, it's, I kind of chuckle every once in a while when I, I, I get questions like, do you treat this? Do you treat this? I can't think of a time where I've ever said no, because we're trained to treat the human condition, the human being, which is it's, anything from depression, anxiety, concussions, yeah. yep. um, just on and on. The list yep. goes on and on. Yep. I would say that that's some of the most common uh, conditions that we see are post-concussion syndrome, uh-huh. uh, whether they're from auto accidents or, you know, sports injuries or whatever it may be. Um neuropathy, so burning, numbness, tingling, pain in hands, feet, uh, vertigo is a, is a fun one that I like treating because if, I don't know if, have you ever experienced vertigo before? I haven't personally, but I had a friend that said it was, oh, absolutely. It's debilitating. You can't, you can't do anything when the entire world is spinning around you and you feel like you're going to, you know, throw up and all that fun stuff. So I love treating vertigo because it's, and I like treating those conditions because the outcomes are typically phenomenal. Like I would never say a hundred percent like positive outcomes because that, that never happens in practice, but, but really good outcomes. So. Well, that's amazing. Well, I am, I know that we both have a mutual friend and, and our, and my friend Jeannie said that we could share, but she had gone on to share with me. In fact, I wrote a couple things down because it was just so phenomenal that 
you know, she was able to go through treatment. She was able to get off medication that she'd been on for years and years. Yeah. That um, she's been seizure free um, and off all the medication since, which was six plus years. I mean, just those things alone, I thought were were just tremendous. And she's yeah. such an incredible person that I thought, gosh, it's just so neat to share that. Um, yeah. So. So you see that happen sometimes where people can can get off their medicine and be able to so huge results. In what way would you say? Um, uh, it, it, as far as like how how the process and how that happens. Yeah, I'd be curious. So we'll we'll, we'll talk about Jeannie for for a second. I absolutely love her to death. She is an amazing human being, and you know, she, as a patient of mine, we got to working as hard as we could to to solve problems. And there came, and I think we'll talk about this in a little bit, but there came a point in time in my professional career where it was a major crossroads. And these were moments in my life where I never, I ne- I've always been the happy-go-lucky smile, you know, good, you know, personable. I never, ever thought I would deal with my own depression and my own anxiety. And we went through a very um, stressful and angst-filled time where my former business partner myself had to split. Mm-hmm. And the first person that I thought of that I wanted in my corner and by my side was Jeannie. And because she had previously, as we were kind of working as between doctor patient relationship, she had asked me, she basically said, I, I love what you do. And I would love to work here if that's possible. So when the time came, she was the first one that, that I called. And the the process in helping people. So when getting back to kind of your question, like how, how do we help folks with depression and anxiety? Well, one, there's there's tools we can use. So we run repetitive peripheral somatosensory stimulation. We do neurosensory motor integration techniques. We do, there's a piece of equipment called Alpha Stim, which is really helpful. We've been using, they've been studying that through the Veterans Affairs or the VA for quite some time now. And what they found over their longitudinal studies of using this device, which essentially is a, a very specified form of microcurrent that stimulates very specific parts of your brainstem, mm-hmm. they found number one thing that was reported was overall sense of well-being. Number two was decreases in PTSD and anxiety, pain, depression, and insomnia. And we have transcranial magnetic stimulation. So there's tools we can use, but a big part of my practice is being able to spend time talking to people about really considering ways to shift the way that you perceive what's going on in your environment, in your world, and take control of your thought processes to stop stop allowing things in your environment to affect the way that you feel. Because once you become empowered and realize that you're the person that can choose to get up every day and make that day great, it's a choice. And when you choose that, there's nothing but joy, love, peace, and happiness that comes from that. So I'm not a psychologist, but sometimes I have to put that hat on and really dig into psyche because there's three major things that I would tell most patients that we focus on. Yes, we're going to address the physical trauma and physical stress. We also have to consider what are you eating? Are are you eating a diet that's creating massive amounts of inflammation? Of course, that's going to cause depression when you don't feel good, right? And then the emotional traumas and stressors that people go through. And there's been some 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 wild stories that I've heard of, of traumatic events that people have gone through. But to watch them go through a process of realizing that they can take control of their lives is so gratifying. 
So that's kind of the process and how we help people with these these different conditions. So well, you know what's so amazing is for years I was on a, a path, I think the last 10 years where I would was learning more about like holistic work. I had my husband had fallen off, fallen off a ladder at work. It was like an 18 foot ladder. And then I had a daughter that was sick and wasn't growing. And we went all of the um, you know, medical end of things and we didn't get the support and help. Everything's everyone said, Oh, she's fine. And I knew she wasn't thriving as a baby. Right. So we got more of that, you know, natural route of things. And that's when things started to to get better. So I've learned all about like reflexology. I taught in a different, in the colleges, I taught lots of classes, 10 years of doing all of this different kind of work. And it wasn't until not too long ago that I had learned this whole concept about the neuroplasticity, literally mm -hmm. changing the way that those pathways are in our brain. So this is what's so amazing about you being here. Um, it's just, it was kind of like, I like to teach people it's like we're um we're up in the mountains and we're we're riding on our four wheeler and we've got those you know the ruts that are already there. I mean, I can see them, and it's just easy yep. to, to keep riding that four wheeler, you know, because those are what are there. Those are the pathways in our brain, and and it's kind of like when we're doing that. And tell me if this makes sense. This is what I was seeing in my head. Is it's like when we're trying to retrain and reprogram those neural pathways. It's like taking that four-wheeler, that side-by-side, -side, and just take it around in a new way. It feels uncomfortable. It's Hard. like, where's this going to take me? You know, the fear comes up, all of these things. But eventually, when we keep being consistent, we can retrain and have those new neural pathways to be able to, to have new results. Is that, do you feel like that's, a, do you agree with that? 100%. Um, and, and that's really the tricky part of all of this with, with what you do, with what I do is, getting folks out of that rut is, is, is that's, that's the real work. It, and when I, when I, for depression, for example, when I describe that to people, it's actually referred to as a feed, feed forward mechanism. So you don't really get feedback in a disorder like that, like yelling in the Canyon and then getting your echo and hearing it. Right. So the feed forward mechanisms are kind of like the analogy I use, it's rolling the snowball down the mountain. And it builds and it builds and, you know, isolationism becomes sadness, which becomes lack of motivation, which, you know, and these things have a tendency to just get worse over time. And so human beings are sensory driven. And that's the beautiful thing about neuro neuroplasticity. If you give the right input to the person that needs the input, you can break those cycles that, that feed forward mechanism and get people out of the funk or the rut that they're in. Oh, I absolutely love that. Well, I wanted to ask you, and maybe you kind of touched a little bit on it, but, you know, as we talk about creating confidence and being able to communicate and helping people have new results in their life, you know, what would you say that you felt like there was some struggle or there was, um, that it was discouraging as you were working in your business or yourself? And would you be willing to share that? You opened up a little bit about, you know, going through yeah. some depression Oh, yes, I could tell. And again, I don't want to give people the impression that, you know, I, I'm perfect and everything I do is wonderful. <laughs> the first patient I ever saw in practice, I had met, I'd done a screening at like a 24 hour fitness and I met this guy. And so he says, yeah, I'll come in to see you. Guy comes in, lays down on the table and I go to do a, a posterior thoracic adjustment and I broke his rib. And I remember thinking like, what have I got myself into? Like, I literally just hurt that person. And it's the one, the first and only time that's ever happened in my practice, but it was the very first time I was getting paid to do what I was, what I was doing. 
Um, so there's been struggles with that. I've, I've had confidence issues in, in, you know, asking people to pay me for what I do. That was a big roadblock I had to overcome. Um, fortunately, I don't have that problem anymore. I used to be really intimidated by older men. If older men came in to see me, cause I'm, I'm sitting there with this lack of confidence in the back of my mind, like this, this guy has more life experience than me, or he's smarter than I am. So wh- why is this person sitting in front of me? And so there's confidence issues there. Um, the, the big, the kind of the big moment in my life where I've learned a lot, um, was after five years of being in practice with my former business partner. And we were, we were 50, 50 partners at the time. And we were warned against that. Like one, there's a thing, you know, where they say, don't, don't work with your family or friends. Like he was my, is still fortunately one of my best friends. Um, but it was just not working and that we it came to a point where we needed to split up and bless his heart, you know, thank him. And I, I give prayers of gratitude. He was willing to leave the practice that we had founded and go start his own, his own clinic. And so I got to stay here as the, you know, the leading physician here at the neuro clinic. But man, there's, there, those were moments in my life where I never thought I would be contemplating suicide. And that was a reality. And it, it was scary. It was a really rough time in my life. And basically, when Jeannie came on board, having to start basically from scratch, you know, after being in practice for, geez, what was it? Probably seven years to basically start over. It was really intimidating. So those were those were some of the hardest moments in my my life, my professional career. Um, but thankful, you know, with with the principles I've learned with neuro auto associative programming or principles of NLP and learning how to work on depression and anxiety. I, I'm grateful to say these last six years of my career have been the best years of my life. So when things are very difficult, you can get out of those difficult times. And I, I, I'm living proof of that. So. Right. And you know what? I'm just so grateful for you sharing that because it takes a little bit of vulnerability for people to open up. And, you know, just recently I've had the opportunity to talk to, to many different men in their forties as I've been teaching and speaking and having people on my podcast, but it's almost as if they feel like they have to carry such a load of responsibility and providing that, um, in vulnerable moments, many have opened up that they've had anxiety and depression and that right. it's hard to move through. And I feel like there's a lot more men that are wanting ways to be able to work through this. And so yeah. it's just, would you agree with that? Absolutely. I'm I'm very grateful that the stigma associated with mental health is kind of being dissolved in a very healthy way. And for men to be able to raise their hands and say, I need help too. Um, it's, it's very refreshing to hear that because there's a book you may have read of, read it or heard of it. It's feelings buried alive, never die. Right. I love it. And men are terrible at <laughs> expressing their feelings and, and being able to open up and be vulnerable and talk about these things with people and be, but there is, I mean, at least in my life, there's the moments of peace and just feeling just refreshed is when you do have a chance to open up and talk to people that, you know, want to help you, but they don't know how to help you if you don't let them know how to help you. Um, so yeah, the stigma, the stigma can needs to continue to dissolve and we, we need to embrace vulnerability. I, I love, there was a Ted talk. I want, I think it was a Ted talk I watched once with uh, Brene Brown 
and her topic was vulnerability. That was such a that was such a great. That talk. is a really good talk. I listened to that one not too long ago, and absolutely wow. love that. Um, you know, I love what you're sharing too, because what I heard you say is you went through the darkest and lowest times that you never thought you'd go through, and now you're feeling like you've been able to learn tools and things through what you teach, right? right. To be able to be in a really a better space, a good space right. now. And that gives other people hope too, is, you know, none of us are perfect. I mean, the things that I teach about, you know, with my weight loss and my gain and my issues where I turn to food, where for comfort and for that peace, you know, I'm never perfect, but I know that because of what I have learned about the neuroplasticity in the brain, I know that I personally don't ever have to gain 80 pounds again. (laughs) And I have it for four years. I've been able to keep that off and, and learn why my brain does what it does and, and trying to meet chemicals and trying to get needs met and all of these different things that my brain, because we're not, our brains are just, they're just trying to keep us safe, right? Yep. <laughs> us. And yeah. It's been, this was the biggest game changer. So I, I love when I can feel your excitement um, and passion. And I'm sure other people can, this, this lights you up. This is something you love to learn about and to research and to help people with. And I get it because was kind of like this world of wow I didn't realize that this brain could be so amazing and helping right. me heal and grow right right very powerful tool our brain and the beautiful thing is we, we still don't we're scratching the surface at understanding really the, the the capacity and the capability of what our brains can actually do and I, I would just add to with what you were saying I think it is still very important that we do go through those hard times. I don't, I don't know if I'm, if I'm formulating this thought right, but I mean, w- w- there can't be light if there is no darkness, you know, but they're being able to go through the hard times is very important. And I think complacency and just being comfortable with life and just letting it pass you by. Yeah. There's again, that's my opinion, but there's no fun in that. Like, so embracing the hard times is also very important as much as enjoying the good times as well. No, I think you're absolutely right. In fact, the many that I've talked to doing this podcast have said, and I share this often, some of the lowest of lows, the hardest times have made them and become who they are now to be able to speak out and communicate. Oftentimes we'll be going through a trial or something really difficult that maybe we just barely, it's not like we have to be miles ahead, but a few steps ahead. Someone will come to our world or our life that we're like, I can help you with this. I know this. I mean, have, have you experienced that? I know personally. Oh, absolutely. I Looking back now, because previous to the split with my former business partner, I there wasn't really a big focus in my practice with mental health, like depression, anxiety. I think I had to go through those moments so that I could empathize with patients that come and talk to me about that stuff now. So when I have someone that's sitting down in front of me and they tell me that they're depressed or they're dealing with anxiety, like now I know how they feel. I can be empathetic towards that. Um, and I think there's a, a a big major important point with communication and being able to, con- to connect with people um, when you can share that that empathy with them. I, I do consider myself a, 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 an empath. I, I'm, I feel like it's a gift that God has given me to be able to understand what people are going through and be, be able to put myself in their shoes. And so I don't think I'd be in that position right now if it weren't for those hard times I had to go through. So I absolutely agree. In fact, 
my husband fell off a fell off a boat. We were just swimming and he thought he broke his all his ribs, actually, speaking of that. And he ended up going in to see his physician and they and he told him, he says, you know, you actually didn't break up or crack him. I think you stretched all these muscles when you yeah. pulled, which can be even worse than the healing. Yeah. Yeah. But what was really great about this, and this is just a small thing that popped into my mind, was he's like, I've been through this. I had a car accident where the seatbelt pulled and kind of ripped through there. And he's like, I know exactly how you feel. And it's like, and you know, all of a sudden in that moment, it's like they could get each other. He had right. been through it. My husband's experiencing this. He doesn't, you know, he pain, he doesn't take pain lightly. I mean, he's a tough guy and he can go through yeah. a lot, but this was like, and so to have someone who can get it, who's been there, who's experienced it, to know that it's a normal process and being able to say, Hey, you're going to move through it. I, I remember when I healed from this and it felt great. It was just like, that is the kind of thing that sometimes when we're in the thick of it, we can't see beyond, Yeah. but seeing light at the end of the tunnel from someone else like yourself or someone that's been through it, I feel like it gives us hope. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of my favorite scriptures, um, you know, without giving the reference to it, speaks on that topic of hope. And if there is no hope, you must needs be in despair. And so when people are going through really difficult times, it's that's my message is there's a reason you're here. You need to be here. Um, I, I find it frustrating and sad um, that suicide has become kind of like a, like a, a normal thought that people, because I, I don't remember growing up. I think I can recall maybe in my high school, there were maybe two two classmates that had ended up committing suicide. And now you look around in our environment here in these high schools, and it's like, it's a normal thing for the kids to be talking about how they're going to commit suicide. And we're losing 11 at this school and 12 at that school. And, you know, over here, there is always room for hope. There's always a, a light at the end of the tunnel. And when people can't see that, that's where we try and we try as hard as we can to inject just an ounce or maybe a lot of that hope just so that people can can see it. And if they can see it, then the work goes into getting there, getting out of the woods, getting to that light. So never giving up uh, and always carrying at least just that ounce of hope is so important for people. I absolutely love that. And one of the last questions I really love to end with so we're really trying to help people be able to break through from whatever challenges they are and giving them hope from where we've come that if we can do this, that they can do this. And I, and I ask you, um, what would you say to the one person that maybe has gone through what you've gone through personally, maybe the depression or the suicide or seeing some of your patients that have hit lows, what would you say to them to encourage them to be able to keep going or yeah. I hope in this process, what would you say to the one? Yeah, it's, it's an effort in helping them understand. Uh, there, there's a meme I like to share. I got it saved on my phone and I, I will frequently pull it open and I'll share it with people, but it's two, two young men sitting on a park bench and the, the top says, you know, two sons of an alcoholic father, right? One homeless, uh, no money to his name. The other one, you know, all dressed up in a nice business suit, very successful. And when asked why they are the way they are, both of their answer was because my father was an alcoholic, right? So being able to 
really work towards and help someone understand that the perception of, of your life and your reality is something that you can create. And there's so much empowerment coming from, and I know you know this with the, with the fly stuff is yeah. instead of looking at things as threatening or frightening, like looking at those same opportunities as opportunities and challenges. And I think there's an innate passion that I would say, and again, I'm kind of projecting, this is my opinion. Most of us are born with this innate need and want to overcome challenge, even from a neurochemical perspective in that regard too. There's so much that happens with dopamine and serotonin when you accomplish something that's very difficult. So we've got a little sticker that's on my computer and monitor here. And it's that famous saying, I can do hard things, right? And because there's fulfillment and there's joy that comes from that. And then you get the dopamine hit and then you you get to experience how good that feels. And in the process of transitioning your thought process away from things that are frightening or threatening to I'm going to take this on because I'm strong, I'm capable, I can do this. Um, once you get someone thinking in that positive mindset, world's 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 the oyster, right? It's uh, you can take on anything. You know, I, I absolutely love that story. I hadn't heard that, but I got chills when you said that. Um, both same situation, both different ways of looking at it. And it's that yeah. perspective piece. I absolutely agree. And, you know, for the sense I was younger, I, I saw this um, the quote that says, you know, she believed she could and she did. Yeah. And I believe that's what before I ever knew anything about this neuroplasticity or the brain, I, I know that's how I was able to lose 80 pounds five different times in my life when I would gain it and lose it and going through my infertility and being able to run marathons at that heavy weight, you know, and it was because I, I, I saw myself, I believed myself. And what I, what I think you're saying is we have so much opportunity that we don't even realize. Yep. And, and it's not just about the thinking, it's about all those different ways. And sometimes there's other modalities that can help. And yes, through the fly program, as I'm a facilitator in that, and I've shared this, you know, being able to learn that there are ways that we can reprogram on a daily basis. And um, I'm just so grateful for everything that you've shared today. I, I wish we could leave them just a couple tips on ways they could help their brains. Um, <laughs> oh, absolutely. I've got today. a couple of things. You okay, let's hear it. Cause I think they would, I think this would be amazing to leave. Like, okay. So one thing that I prescribe to pretty much every person that walks through my door is an exercise um, in gargling. Cause when you activate the muscles in the back of your throat, that stimulates vagal, vagal nerve tone and the vagus nerve is really important for a lot of different things, but it has intimate connections with heart function, gut function. So if you have, if you deal with constipation or you're depressed or you're anxious or whatever it might be, activating vagal nerve tone is phenomenal for the brain. So that's one thing I would recommend for everyone to do. Wow. Gargle. How how long should we gargle for? And yeah, how so I, I tell people to do it for one full minute, and that can be broken up into segments of 10 or 15 seconds and whenever you need to take a breath or whatever. If you don't like gargling too, you can you can sing or do whatever to activate the muscles in the back of your throat. The oropharyngeal muscle groups are what stimulate vagal nerve tone. Um, so that's one thing I would advise everyone to do start gargling or singing, uh, you know, singing your heart out. Um, love that. Yeah. What else? Uh, uh, and if you can't sing out loud, then sing in the shower. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or gargle in the shower. Cause when I, when I prescribe it, I say gargling and in parentheses, I always put loud and proud because the harder you activate those muscles, the more activation you get. And so when people are in the shower, you don't have to worry about spitting water out of your mouth. You can just go to town. So 
Gargling and singing in the shower. Yes, definitely. I love your tip. And I think for the tip that I would share today is, is asking your mind and your brain questions. So when you're in the middle or in the thick of something, just ask yourself a question. Like for me, when I feel like something's really, really tough, I will now automatically, because my brain's right, I learned how to get through the, the new neural pathways, but I'll ask myself the question like, huh, you know, what if I'm learning? You know, what if, what if this, this is actually teaching me something greater? And then my brain will go to work. What is this teaching me? Or I'll, I'll ask the questions, what if um, I, will, I, I will, instead of like, instead of thinking in a negative way, right. I will try to switch that over and say, you know what, uh, a part of me, and, and this is what I've learned, you know, with Lamont, with all these different cool things I've learned, but just like, you know, even though a part of me feels this way, this is what I really want, or else try to switch it in the brain with questions yep. that will help me um, think of things in a new way. Yep. And when I do that um, and kind of pause, because I'll be in a rabbit hole, you know, I like to teach that whole analogy that it's like a little child. I have a four-year-old. So when she's throwing the temper tantrum, and I don't know how old your kids are, but they're in the middle of all of this craziness. If they take a minute and they get distracted, they hear a noise or they hear the fire engine or they see the bird or, you know, it's like, look at that bird. All of a sudden their attention is directed in a new way. Yes. Yep. And then they are like, oh, wait, what was I doing? It's a lot harder to get back to the temper tantrum or the, the exactly. spiral that we're in. So redirect yourself. Ask yourself a question. Go take a quick break outside. Um, Take three big, deep breaths. I mean, you're saying gargle, seeing, um, distract ourselves. What else would you add to that? Um, (laughs) I love that you said that too. My kids are 12, nine and five. So our five-year-olds, our daughter, and we're in the middle of that, like how to break tantrums and stuff. Uh, And we're learning, we're learning a lot, but it's, it's fun. We get to have experience joining the journey. Um, One other thing I was going to add too is, I'm really big on affirmations. So when I previously mentioned I had a hard time asking people for money, here's one of my affirmations. That's what I was looking up. I, I pulled this open. So I've got this and I, I read this out loud. I try to do it every day. But another, so I guess my my parting tip would be work on affirmations that are very personal, but also work on gratitude journaling and make it a habit of being expressive of what you're grateful for. Because that's another big thing that I think that a lot of us miss is how wonderful our lives really actually are if we spend time working on that. But here's my affirmation. Selling equals service. I sell from a place of honesty, integrity, and compassion. Selling is about leading. Selling is about moving people to action. That's beautiful. That's one of my affirmations. And I've got, I've got a whole list of all these other ones that I've worked on and I need to, to get back to writing up some new ones, but um, I'm a big fan of that type of meditation and recommending that to people. And it's just, it literally is a matter of getting getting to it and doing it. And then it becomes, it becomes part of your life. And as you first probably started saying those affirmations, they maybe weren't as comfortable, but then in time, it kind of became easy to say and easy to attract. And then it became reality almost. Your brain's like, oh, this is second nature. So know that sometimes in the beginning, it might feel awkward, you know, to sing or to gurgle or to do these things, but your brain eventually will start to Form these new ways and yep. and, and gravit- gravitate to that. I love what you shared. Thank you so, so, so much, Dr. Oliver, for being here today and for sharing hope. And, um, you know, in this podcast, our goal is to create confident communication. And even if we can just help one person at a time. Yep. So 
if we, we highly, I, I think you're in the same way. Let's go out and share what we've learned today or be able to share a trial or what you're going through. I, I believe that whatever any one of us are working through, there's always somebody else that can learn and grow or that you can help that you wouldn't even think are dealing with that same thing. Yeah. So I think today is be willing to try maybe a couple of these things and maybe share something vulnerable, right? With someone, because it may make the biggest difference. Yep. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. I, I really appreciate it. And the opportunities, always, it's always wonderful. I, lo- I love, love doing podcasts like this. So when you reached out, I was like, of course, yeah, of course I want to do this. So thank you. Well, and I loved hearing you speak. And if anyone wants to find you, they can they can look up the Neuro Clinic in Lehigh, Utah. Yep. And, and again, just so grateful for your time. So we just leave you with this today, that if we can do this, then you can do this. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much.